Well, my name is Officer Bickett, like she said, and I've been going around to all the schools in Akron talking to the kids about different ways to stay safe. Do you guys want to stay safe in school? This is a video of a police officer standing in front of a classroom of kids in an elementary school in Akron, Ohio. What are some of the things you guys do now to stay safe? Uh, tornado drill. Tornado drill, right. Now you guys practice one more drill. Anybody know what that's called? A lockdown drill, you're right. It's a lockdown drill. More than 90% of students in K-12 schools in the U.S. participate in drills to prepare for an active shooter situation. That number has more than doubled since 2004. But the nature of the drills has changed a lot since then. Most of your lockdowns probably look like this. These kids are quiet, they're sitting against their cabinets, the lights are off, the door's locked. Are they being really loud? No. no. They're quiet, right? And that's probably what you guys are supposed to do, right? Yeah. Well, this is the drill we're going to talk about today. I'm a policeman, so I want to talk to you guys about stranger danger and bad guys and different things we can do. So during your guys' lockdown, I'm going to give you guys some different things to do other than just stay in your room. These kids are learning the ALICE method. It's being taught at schools across the U.S. as a way to defend against a shooter in the building. The district is implementing ALICE. Experts are mixed on the concept of ALICE training. It's all part of the ALICE Training Institute. ALICE, an acronym that stands for ALERT. Lockdown, inform, counter, and evacuate. The counter part of this acronym is controversial for what it asks of students, to fight back if a shooter enters their classroom. According to the founders of the Alice Training Institute, 3,700 K-12 schools and 900 universities have implemented Alice Training since its inception in the early 2000s. They say it was the first program of its kind to give students and teachers the option of doing more than lock down and hide if there is a shooter in the building. The U.S. Department of Education supports teaching teachers to fight an active shooter, but not kids, because practicing this can be traumatizing. Still, schools across the country are feeling pressure to do something to prepare students for the worst. On this episode of the podcast, we'll start in Ames, Iowa. School leaders in Ames decided against training kids in Alice a few years ago, but they changed their minds after the school shooting in Parkland, Florida. We'll also talk to a school psychology expert about what happens to kids who go through training to learn to fight back against a shooter. From APM Reports, this is Educate, a podcast in collaboration with the Heckinger Report. I'm Stephen Smith. We've been doing the ALICE training with the Ames Police Department for the past five or six years. And this is Dr. Timothy Taylor, the superintendent of Ames, Iowa Public Schools. Uh, at least twice a year they come in, but it's only been with our, our staff. We've never done actual drills or work with kids. About 4,300 students attend K-12 public schools in Ames, and next school year, most of them will receive some form of ALICE training. We had some pretty thorough discussions about that. Is this something that we wanted kids to be involved in? Would it be something that could be traumatic? Uh, we again met after the Florida shooting as an administrative team and talked that through, and we decided it would probably be beneficial if we could involve kids, but we want to make sure that uh, as you can well imagine, we do have children, especially at the younger age, that we're kind of worried about. We also have kids with anxiety issues. We have, uh, uh, so there are situations where we, we kind of decided, let's involve kids, but make it optional. The parents can uh, pull them out if they'd like. One of the elements of the ALICE uh, protocol is for students to uh, sort of resist the intruder by getting behind something and throwing things at him, like school supplies or whatever comes to hand. Is that appropriate for all ages, or are you going to only do that with certain grade levels? 
initially our discussion is um, to do that at all grade levels. If you have uh, can recognize you're in a threatening situation, you have got it properly assessed, and you know that you're going to have to respond somehow, uh, whether you're throwing uh, plants or pencils or staples or staplers or anything that you can get your hands on to try and uh, uh, distract that, that individual. It's, that's part of that training. And then a real hard discussion for us to determine if three to five-year-olds should be, at what level should they be involved in that practice? I think those are some things that we're looking at. But at the same time, I know preliminary discussions are we want to try and um, begin some of this what have parents had to say about uh, this Alice training? Were they enthusiastic about it, and and uh, and what are they saying now that you're ro- you're planning to roll it out? Um, I've gotten um, some feedback from the community, not as much as you might imagine, and most of it has been fully in support. That thank you, thank you, kids need to be involved. On the other hand, I have had one or two from parents who have discussed uh, the fact that their child at a younger age in kindergarten does have some anxiety issues and they would indeed uh, elect to uh, opt out of that kind of training. Uh, That's going to be one of those situations where, uh, again, even those kids that may opt out, we uh, will be working with them to make them alert and aware of, of what the proper procedures will be, uh, just as if it was a tornado or a fire drill. Um, I, unfortunately, I have to say, I think many of today's kids, especially those that are older, middle school, high school, have grown up with this. Um, so I think they're more ready than perhaps even their parents are for something uh, uh, that we're headed, at least that we're, like what we're headed down the path where we're getting kids involved in the actual drill itself. Well, critics of Alice training uh, have said that the chances of any individual student being involved in a school shooting are are infinitesimal. They're in the millions to one, and that the potential trauma that kids might experience through the training isn't worth uh, this such a small risk. We talked about that, and we know that the infinitesimal odds are still there, but it is possible. And what we've done over the years is had that discussion about getting kids involved, and how traumatic would that be? Are we revealing too much? Superintendent Taylor also worries that teaching students the Alice method has risks of its own. A student who was planning a school shooting could use it to their advantage. Uh, Just like in the uh, Florida situation where that student pretty much knew what the procedures were going to be, and as soon as he flipped that fire alarm, it kind of put Alice training uh, in the back seat, so to speak, because everybody thought it was a fire drill. Uh, The things that we've talked about is that... um, Exactly what you've mentioned, which is, is it more traumatic for kids to go through that kind of training and be prepared, or are we better off making kids or giving kids the opportunity to be prepared? Let's put it that way. Um, We've kind of come to that decision now. We want to get the kids involved. There's been talk by the president of the United States and others that teachers should carry guns or that there ought to be more uh, armed uh, trained, armed officials, janitors, others in, in school buildings. What's the talk in Ames been like around the idea of having more armed personnel in the schools? No, thank you. That's, that's pretty much right where we're at. And I will, I will tell you what my feeling is, and I'm certain uh, we're getting some feedback from our, our own union in the Iowa State Education Association that arming teachers is not the real answer. I would hate to imagine that um, a a teacher armed with a gun could misfire and actually hit a kid, uh, even in those kinds of situations, even though they were trying to do the best that they could. 
I would hate to see that happen. We need them uh, working with the kids to make sure that we can get them either into a safe harbor or out of the building as opposed to running out in the hallway with a gun. The biggest point that I've got, I think, in this whole process is I wish that it would be there would be an opportunity for us to ban assault weapons. I, I struggle with that, and that's my political soapbox. Have there been? I, forgive me, um, I, I don't remember. Have there been any school shootings in Iowa? Um, not that I'm aware of. No, mm. uh, we've never had uh, an, a situation uh, that was at a level of Alice training. Um, and taking us to that point. We hope we never do, but we're also not uh, blind enough to the fact that it could happen anywhere. It's horrid to think about, but it's something that um, as a school administrator and as teachers and educators, we think about it a little bit every day. We believe it is completely inadequate to teach people to only be passive and static when a determined attacker has decided they are his next victims. This is a promotional video with Greg Crane. I'm one of the founders of the ALICE program and current president of the ALICE Training Institute. ALICE Training is designed to put the tools in your mental toolbox, which you can draw upon in your moment of need, as well as giving you the confidence that you will not become a victim. We teach common sense that is not common knowledge. There are no guarantees in life, and we cannot guarantee that nobody will be hurt in a planned, determined attack. But we do guarantee that by doing something instead of nothing, you will greatly increase the chances of your survival. Um, I, I, I don't know how it got to be that people thought that it was a good idea to train elementary grade, primary grade, first grade students to fight back against an armed intruder. Dr. Stephen Brock is a member of the National Association of School Psychologists and a professor at California State University, Sacramento. He trains school psychologists. He says there isn't much evidence that training like Alice works, and he says no one's sure how it might affect kids who go through the program. How did America go from lockdown drills to active shooter drills where students are practicing and simulating the run-hide-fight model? Well... I think it, it came out of the U.S. Department of Education back in 2013 endorsing the run-hide-fight model. Essentially, what had been in place up until that time was run and hide, with run being evacuations and hide being going into a lockdown. In 2013, they offered some new guidelines where they added the fight option. They were specific in their guidelines, however, in terms of specifying that this addition to school safety protocols and procedures was something that adults should be trained in. The original document was pretty clear that this wasn't something we were going to do with kids. Subsequently, the FBI gave somewhat different guidance. They suggested that it was more of a community-based decision. Different locales would decide whether or not to train students. However, even those guidelines suggested that such would only be appropriate with high school-aged youth. Um, in other words, I haven't seen any authority in the federal government who initially proposed the fight option of run-hide-fight, suggesting that it was a good idea or even appropriate to include young elementary grade youth in the fight option. What does that fighting look like in practice as you understand it? 
Well, it, it can. It would involve a number of different things, including barricading a door, um, putting desks, chairs against a door so that an armed intruder couldn't get into a classroom. It could also involve throwing things, um, books, pencils, other school supplies at the armed intruder. I've heard of some cases where schools have recommended that students bring canned food to school and to store them in the desk, and that would be something that they would throw at an armed intruder. What do you think the potential psychological impacts are of this kind of training on elementary school children? Well, that's an, that's an excellent question, and to my knowledge, it's one that has yet to be adequately researched. Um, I am just anecdotally concerned from, from anecdotal reports. I have concern about it having effects, adverse effects on kids. And these, these reports come from my conversations with some of my colleagues who have been through these trainings. They've been through Alice trainings, and they've reported it to be quite upsetting, quite disconcerting. And these are adults. And so from those observations, I have, have great concerns about the emotional impact of training a young primary grade kid to fight back against an armed intruder. Was there much discussion of training children uh, about the problem of school shooting before the Sandy Hook massacre? Yes, there was. It did not gain, have a whole lot of traction. Um, something happened after Sandy Hook. I think it kind of began with Columbine and... It was exacerbated by Sandy Hook. I I think what happened is the incredible, and and this was appropriate. These are horrible, horrendous acts. The attention that these acts were given makes sense because darn it, schools are supposed to be safe places. And as I said, one school-associated violent death is one too many. But I think what happened here, I think the dynamic is one wherein Columbine occurred in an environment where that was different in that it now had 24-7 news coverage. Uh, I'll never forget the time. I forget what was going on, but for some reason I couldn't sleep. It was a day or two after the Columbine shooting. Turned on CNN, and what did I see? I saw a group of Columbine High School students at 3 a.m. in the morning talking on TV. And then I realized, wait a minute, I could literally watch this 24-7. And then Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook had the same sort of 24-7 media coverage, but now it had social media. And and I think what has happened is we have been bombarded with sights, sounds, scenes, and images of these events. And I, I think it's really kind of distorted our perception of these events. I think it's resulted in us viewing these as being way more likely to occur than they are in reality. And with that frightening, incorrect fear in place, I think we had an environment that was ripe for these additional drills. And do we have any idea if this ALICE training is, in fact, effective in terms of uh, actually resisting a school shooter? Um, There has not yet been adequate research done that would either show us, A, that the training works, meaning when confronted with an armed intruder, armed intruder, after having been trained, students display appropriate, more adaptive behaviors. We also don't know if that potential positive benefit of such training outweighs any potential negative benefits. And that gets back to your question about emotional harm or emotional impact. We, we just simply don't know. And so our guidance to schools around the country has been that 
until such evidence presents itself, we need to be approaching these kinds of drills very carefully, very cautiously. And my recommendation, I tend to go along with the U.S. Department of Education, is that to the extent a school district wants to train, have training in the fight option, that that be done with adults, that it's adults, teachers, for example. If, if they feel it's important to give fight training in the run-hide-fight option to individuals, that that be done with adults. Especially important here is the fact that the hide option works. The traditional lockdown drill, which has been in place in school for years, and for which there is some evidence suggesting that, A, kids that are trained in lockdown drills respond more appropriately when required to lock down, and B, it doesn't cause significant emotional distress to be trained to do a lockdown. The lockdown drill works. Um, from conversations I've had with school resource officers, I have been told that there has never been an incident where an armed intruder has overcome a locked classroom door. So from this, my suggestion to schools, and this, by the way, is the number one recommendation of the Sandy Hook Commission. My recommendation to schools is that you should not be spending your limited dollars on ALICE training or on other kinds of options-based approaches to addressing the school shooter if your school doesn't already have doors that can lock on the inside. That would be my first expenditure. According to statistics, uh, school children are far more likely to be hit by lightning than to be injured in a school shooting. And I have to imagine that there are other kinds of dangers that these the children face that are are far more common and perhaps are not kids may not be getting trained to deal with are what are your thoughts about other kinds of risks that actually kids ought to be helped to confront yeah that's an excellent observation and a very important point according to a federal data there's a study done annually called school associated violent death from the most recently available statistics, the odds of a school-aged youth, this is a young person aged 5 to 18, being the victim of a violent death at school are 1 in 4.5 million. And to put that in perspective, the odds of, as you said, being struck by lightning are about 1 in 800,000. So you're way more likely to be struck by lightning than to be the victim of a violent death at school. I oftentimes feel... I guess, at, at least ambivalent about having these conversations and putting forward the objective fact that schools are safe. Because I know at this very moment in time, there's a group of kids in Florida that don't feel schools safe and have had it shown to them in a very concrete way that on a particular day at their school, their school wasn't safe. Um, and and I'm I'm sensitive to that. And I'm appreciative of the fact that my words will strike Will, be, will sound very hollow if you've been in that situation. But at the same time, however, I am appreciative of the objective fact that a young person is more likely to be a victim of homicide in their home or in a restaurant than at a school. Schools, our schools are objectively safe places and arguably one of the safest places for our young people to be. That doesn't mean, however, that we can't and we shouldn't do everything in our power to make them even safer. Because again, to reiterate, 
one school-associated violent death is one too many. Right. You have to be careful about putting in perspective, it sounds. You do. Because you, do. you, might, be, uh, you might be accused of being, what, insensitive to the issue or something like that. But, but I don't, at the same time, and I guess, and the reason why I'm kind of willing to risk people perceiving my words in that way is I do appreciate that for a lot of kids, school is that one safe place they can go where they know they don't have to worry a whole lot. Um, and I don't want, I don't want schools to come to be viewed as horribly violent, fatally flawed institutions, because that's not the case. Schools, by and large, are safe places. We've been talking with Dr. Stephen Brock of California State University in Sacramento. That's it for this episode. We'd really like to hear your thoughts and feedback. What did this podcast make you think about training kids to deal with active shooters in schools? You can let us know on Twitter and on Facebook at Educate Podcast, or you can send us a note to contact at apmreports.org. We also want to know if going to college changed your social class. APM Reports is producing a documentary about colleges and economic mobility. We want to know what people gain and what they lose when they change social classes and what higher education may have had to do with it. Tell us your story. You can fill out a brief questionnaire at apmreports.org slash documentaries, and then we can get in touch with you. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about how schools can raise expectations and help students with disabilities to plan for higher education and future jobs. Alex Baumhart and Chris Julian produce the podcast. Catherine Winter is our editor and Emily Hanford, our senior producer. Our sound engineer for this episode was Veronica Rodriguez. We partner with the Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. <laughs>